Welcome to the MedMan Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. I'm Jesse Arnoldson. And I'm Jay Holmes. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the MedMan Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Arnoldson. This week, we're going to jump into the nitty-gritty of practice financials. And I'm joined here today by our MedMan CFO, Jay Holmes. Welcome, Jay. Jesse, hey, man. Good to be here. Good to chat with you. You know, a little sidebar, everybody out there. Today is um, March 26, 2021. Our good man, Jesse, just had twins. He's four days into it. They're having five children. So, um, you know. That's why that's my voice adventure. is lower and I'm going to talk a little slower because <laughs> I'm just so tired. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> Thanks, congratulations, Jay. man, on officially here. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Well, guys, let me give you a little bit of a reminder about where Jay comes from. Jay is Midman's CFO. He is a CPA accountant, and that is his background. He actually came from public accounting, owning his own accounting firm. Jay, anything else that you'd like to add to that? Well, yeah, it's a good start. You know, certainly spent a lot of my time thinking about business processes and efficiency and effectiveness, right? And, you know, in the accounting realm, you know, controls and setting up processes get you really the stronger your processes are, you know, the the less risk you have on diverging from, you know, really good information, solid information. So it's really about, you know, always trying to find different ways to do things better and a little faster so that you can retain the quality. So that's where my, my head's been for, you know, last 20 or so years. Fantastic. And that's going to serve us well today. As we're going to jump in, in this episode, we're going to start talking about what a month-end close is and why it's so important. Jay, can you maybe help us understand a little bit better what what do you mean by a month-end close and why are we talking about it today? Well, Jesse, good question. And let me try to do my best here answering that. A month-end close, you know, how I look at it, I tell a story of, you know, if if you're a card player, um, whatever game you, you play, you know, you have a deck of cards and usually, unless you use the same deck of cards day in and day out and you have confidence in how many cards are in that deck, you know, you, you generally start off by counting the deck. Before you really play this game, you want to make sure that you're playing with a full deck of cards. And I think that's the same thing as a month-end close, is that before you really start to analyze and look over your data, your financials, you want to make sure that all of those 52 cards are counted and um, are there. And so that's really what the month-end close is, is doing for you. It, it's giving you, it's elevating your confidence that the data that you're actually looking at, the data that you're making decisions for your business is accurate and consistent. And without that, it's pretty hard to play certain card games, most all card games, if you're missing three or four cards. You know, hate to be waiting for that ace of diamonds and then realize it's not in the deck. You know, that's right, certainly right. not not a, a good um, good pathway. So that's really what a month end closes. It's, it's taking all the information and going through these steps to really ensure that your financials you know, when we're thinking about balance sheet, P&L, then everything else that you pull from that to your metrics, that they're consistent and they're accurate. And that's really what we're looking for. That makes a lot of sense. Jay, what, help me dive into it. What, what, does, what does it involve to go through and kind of close the books at the end of a month? So having an accounting background, you know, I, I think that the process I go through might be a little bit more involved than, than most, most practice administrators. And, and that's just because of, you know, the, the, depth of knowledge of, of really counting and how it works. But what I'm going to sh- tell you right now, I think it's really important to understand. I think a lot of people, what they look at is they look at the P&L 
And because that's what drives comp models, that's what drives overhead budgets and all that stuff. But really to ensure that your P&L is correct, what you need to do is go through your balance sheet and make sure that your balance sheet, all those accounts are accurate. Because the nature of a balance sheet, it's an accumulation over time to get you to a certain balance at a certain date. And because of the nature of that, you can actually verify what a balance should be when. Give you an example. You can verify through a bank reconciliation that your bank account matches what your bank statement is pending transactions in in transit, right? So you can verify, hey, on January 31st, my bank statement says this, my QuickBooks says this, and I understand those transactions that are different. You can go to your loan statement, your amortization schedule and say, on this date, it should be $126,000. And then you can look at your balance sheet and say, well, on this date, does it, right? So the balance sheet allows you to really count that deck of cards for each account. And then once you know that your balance sheet is correct because of the nature of those accounts, then you know that all your cards, all the revenue and expenses are at least in the income statement, right? And so that's really right. the balance sheet is really counting all, counting all the cards. And once you get through that, then you move on to your profit and loss. So the first step in the month and close is really going through your balance sheet. And there's bank reconciliations, credit card reconciliations. And then depending on how com- complex things go, you know, or your organization, there can be a lot more steps involved in that. You know, unfortunately, here at MedMan, in, in you know, some of the clinics we work with and, and the clinics we own, yeah, you know, the month-end close is, is something that can take a couple hours to a couple days. And so it, it doesn't, doesn't have to be, you know, this drawn-out long process. So really, you're looking at the balance Jay, I'm going to insert right there. Yeah, we, please do. We, we, I know for, for me, and you helped me set up my month-end process, it used to take me a couple days. You know, I'd start on whatever day, the fourth, you know, maybe on a Monday when the new month starts and it would be by the end of the week, I'd have things done. And now, you know, through process, you're talking about that, that's been on your mind, simplifying things, figuring out how to do it the same way every single time, getting faster. Now it takes a morning, maybe less to do it. And that was always the goal. We didn't want this to be a process that was always four days long, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And and let's talk about that a little bit. And why is it three or four days long? Well, you know, part of it is that you do it once a month and, you know, it's not always fresh on your mind. So you're kind of relearning things. You're like, oh, well, what Muscle I do memory there? isn't there, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, the things that you thought you were going to do or the reason you did a certain thing, you scratch your head and you spend some time relearning that. And so, you know, that's where the documentation comes from. And then really just having the process really helps. So really, you know, in, in what we do is, is we take the balance sheet approach first and, and really just create an Excel workbook and use the snipping tool. And basically every single tab on your Excel workbook is a balance sheet account that you see on your balance sheet. And so what you do is you set up, you're essentially going through each account and you're saying, what's the level of assurance that I want to make sure this account is accurate? And that's really kind of coming from the, you know, the auditing world in public accounting. But, but that's what basically what you're doing is you're saying, hey, if I do these steps, I can feel X confident that this account is correct. And there's always a cost benefit analysis, right? Because no matter what, you can always overdo it. But, you know, most of the time, 90 to 95% accuracy, you know, that confidence level is really what you're looking for. And so you build out this work paper and you say, okay, well, now I have a template. I know what to do for every single account. And once I get through all these tabs, then I have a high level of confidence that everything is in, you know, that we have 52 cards in the deck. Okay. Then what we do is we move on to the PL. And the nature of the income statement or the profit and loss 
is that it's harder to pinpoint if the buckets or the account totals are accurate because we're looking at what has happened over a specific period of time. It might be a month, it might be a quarter, it might be a year. So it's harder to go in and double click in an account and say, hey, is that balance accurate? Well, it just depends. Did we have that transaction in this period or not? And so what we tend to do there is that it's more of an analysis of does this make sense? And so once we get done with the balance sheet, we move to the P&L, we break that up and we generally look at a 12-month rolling, rolling 12 months by month. And what you're looking for there is you're saying, okay, well, now that I have 12 months of data, I can compare what this month looks like compared to the last 11 months. And so for some accounts, you're going to say, hey, wow, that number is a lot higher than it usually is. And that's an indicator that you should look into that. So double click on that account. Did something get put in there that wasn't supposed to? Did you buy a $15,000 piece of equipment that probably shouldn't go there? It should go you know, on your balance sheet. Or did you, you, know, you put in some software expense that should go in IT expense than, rather than office supplies, right? And or so, did you forget to pay a bill? Right. Well, <laughs> That's yeah, always mine, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a zero there? Oh, no. Totally. And, and so it. it goes both ways, right? Is, is something in there that shouldn't be in there? Or is there nothing in there that really there should be something? So you'll go along and you have a $2,000 expense and all of a sudden this month there's nothing there, right? So then those are the types of things that really help you make sure that everything that is there that should be and you know everything that's not there shouldn't be there. And so it's more of this, um, you know, it's, it's an analysis and and basically, there's some common sense that that runs through it, right? So you've got insurance, and insurance balloons every three months. Well, sure, that's the schedule of paying certain insurance. Or you have rent, and you know, one month there's no rent payment. Well, that makes no sense because the last time I checked, you know, your landlord isn't one to say, "Hey, every tenth month, just don't pay me. I'm good with that." Right? So, so there's a schedule and a frequency, right. and if you put all that together then through that process, it really you know, gives you the confidence that, hey, now what we're looking at is consistent and accurate. And I say consistent first because it's one of those things, we get an argument from time to time of, well, I think this expense should go in this bucket and I think that expense should go in that. And at the end of the day, you know, I think as long as it goes in a bucket, and of course there's certain things I'm, I'm not I'm generalizing here, but of for course. the most part, once you pick a path, it's a lot more important to stick with it then every month try to find a better path. Because again, it's, it's about comparing month to month. And so consistency is going to allow you to see the errors a lot more frequent. The, the consistency is also going to give you the muscle memory to get better and faster, right? I mean, 100%. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Jay, tell me, where do people mess up the most? What areas get missed the most often? Great question, Jesse. There's a couple areas, and, and I think that the first is, is not even looking at the balance sheet. Plenty of practices that I've gone into to, to review the financials, I look at the balance sheet and I see, you know, for example, I've seen, you know, a, an $80,000 negative balance in a 401k payable account. So what's that really mean? Well, a payable account is generally set up and it, it should have a positive balance. And it means that you, you owe someone something, Right you've recognized an expense and, and you haven't paid that yet. So you're going to pay it in the future. Well, what happens if you have a negative 401k balance? Well, that means that you've paid something without recognizing it as an expense. So right. what this practice do? Well, this practice was short on cash and they were wondering, well, how come we don't have no cash? Well, based on their comp model and how they generally needed to distribute expenses, they had about, you know, whatever it was, $50,000, $60,000 that never showed up on their income statement. And so they were 
paying distributions to the owners, providers that didn't account for the money that they paid for retirement, right? Caused a big issue. And so those things can't happen without, because it's, you know, it's like a black hole. If you're not looking at the balance sheet, QuickBooks or whatever accounting system you use makes it really easy to feel like you're doing everything right because all you have to hit is okay. Yes, save and close, done. Yeah. I don't have to think about it. But in reality, that transaction went to 401k payable rather than 401k expense. And those have a drastically different outcome. And so, you know, the first thing is really just review your balance sheet. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a CPA or expert accountant. You just need to know, you know, and, and get some help with it. So, you know, reach out to your accountant and say, hey, help me understand this account better. Help me understand that account better. And that's where this workbook comes in. And you can actually have them help you go through it. And then once you have the workbook, that's going to provide that, that support, that background, now that you're going to understand, hey, you know, what should I expect in this account or that account? So that's one area. You know, bank reconciliations, one of my you know, favorite topics is bank reconciliations because every single company has money coming in and out of a bank. And most companies have credit cards. And so it's a bank reconciliation or a credit card reconciliation. But the nature of accounting, you know, in, in bookkeeping from the bank account is that you often record transactions that take some time to actually clear the bank. So you write a check, right? And sometimes it takes a couple of weeks for it to clear. Yep. And how now how we're interacting with our accounting software, you know, through bank feeds and through automated transactions, there's opportunity for those, you know, and, and there was opportunities before, don't get me wrong, when, you know, most of it was manual, but there's opportunities for things to get duplicated in the accounting software. So a bank reconciliation, you know, I think what most people do is they they race to get the zero difference, right? Like, is there a difference between, you know, what the bank statement says and what your reconciled balance says? And once it gets to zero, everyone thinks, aha, you know, I did it, I got there. But you miss a key piece. And that key piece is that, you know, you have to dive into the unreconciled items. One of the most not highlighted, misunderstood areas, because what an unreconciled item is, is just that there's a transaction that has yet been reconciled. It has yet, it's in your QuickBooks account or your accounting software, but hasn't cleared the bank. You know, what that represents is potentially, you know, something that could have been duplicated. It could have been entered in error, right? But that transaction has, you know, another side to it, right? Accounting's two entries. So there's an right. entry in the bank account, but it also is showing up somewhere else. So what is so important and so needed in the bank reconciliation process is before you get done is you review all those transactions that are unreconciled, that you haven't checked, that are especially older. And this is a lot of common sense, right? You go through and you say, okay, well, I've got a deposit for $3,000 that has not been recorded or that has not been reconciled. Mm -hmm. And you think back and you say, how many practices out there are going to go a day or two or three without actually making that deposit? or a week, right? It doesn't make sense. You have a deposit four months old that isn't cleared yet. Just doesn't make sense. Right. Right. Same thing. You know, you think about payroll, you've got a $800 payroll check that isn't cleared. Well, I know that there's some random individuals out there that don't need the money or don't want the money or don't care, but it's very, very rare. They exist. Yeah, they do. Cause I've run across them, but at the same time, it's very, very rare. It's an exception, certainly more than the rule. And so you think about that and, and, it, and you kind of go through this common sense analysis of, does it make sense that these checks haven't cleared yet? Well, refund checks, you bet. You see that all the time, right? You got refund checks that are just sitting in the accounting software because it might be for 15 bucks or 35 bucks. And 
someone, you know, it just maybe didn't get to the person. Maybe it did, but it's just sitting in their desk and it got lost. But you've got an $800 check to a vendor that's two, three months old. It's possible it's still sitting out there, but it's also possible that, you know, when the transaction came across or when you went and and did the reconciliation, maybe it came across your bank as $810 by mistake. And so now you have an $810 expense and an $800 expense, right? And what's that doing to your financials and what you're looking at? It messes them up. It certainly muddies the water. And so to dive into those unreconciled items, just to understand and just ask yourself, does that make sense that this type of transaction wouldn't have cleared yet? And if it doesn't make sense, then all it urges you to do is go to your bank register, search for that same exact amount. And maybe you'll see two transactions that are in the same month. One of them's cleared and one of them's not. Probably the result of you entered it twice or other ways or, you know, that, that you just want to investigate and say, you know what, should I delete that? Or is it actually a valid transaction? Jay, to throw a little bit of a curveball at you, what kind of symptoms would you look for in a clinic or any, any business for that matter, where they may not have this dialed in? What might be happening that would indicate that something's not going right in the month end close? Well, funny you ask, you know, we actually have a assessment module that is specifically for this, we got about 18, 20 questions, you know, but the first place to start is, is really getting your last bank reconciliation, look at if there's any unclear transactions, and then looking at your balance sheet and really assessing, you know, do you have negative accounts that just shouldn't be that way? Do you have accounts right. that you have no idea what they are? You know, spend half an hour looking at your balance sheet and just asking the question, you know, what is this and, and why? And that's a good place to start. And if, and if that results in, in more questions, then certainly you know that you have more work to do. If it doesn't, you say, you know what, I feel good about everything. Then you, I think, you know, you probably have a pretty decent handle on it. But I think those, those are the two areas that would start. And then, of course, just doing that, you know, review on a month-to-month basis if you haven't done that. Review and, and pull up a report. You know, the, the great thing about, and I think most practices use QuickBooks, at least that's what I've seen. But on the QuickBooks report, it doesn't matter if you're using a, you know, desktop or, or QuickBooks online. But there's an option to how you want to view your report. And the option, what I'm referring to is, how do you want to display your columns? And you can select by month. You don't have to run 10 different P&Ls. You run one P&L right, right. for the past 12 months, and then you just select the month column, by month column. And you can see that. And then see what pops out at you. You know, why are things zero? Why are things larger? And start asking those questions. Awesome. Jay, thank you. And for our listeners, just to recap, you know, this can be a pretty intimidating process, but there's a simple place to start, like Jay said. Just start looking at your financial statements. Pull the reports, try and get them in a way that makes sense, and start asking questions. The second step would probably be to go to your accountant and start working on that balance sheet Excel spreadsheet to be able to have a workbook that you go through once a month just to make sure everything's in place. Because you can't be making the kinds of decisions on what you pay the doctor's hiring new staff, purchasing new equipment, if you don't know that you have 52 cards in your deck to start the month. This is the process that helps you make sure you know where you're at before you start making big financial decisions. Jay, thanks for being on here. Thanks for going through this with us. Hey, Jesse, thank you, man. Thanks for providing this uh, this soapbox for me to, to tell my story on. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. And listeners, before you get too far, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on all the latest MedMan content. We're here twice a week, pushing out the best ideas from the best people on how to run your practice and get it to level up. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into the MedMan Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. 
For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com.